0: Tuning in now
1: to the LBX Daily Show.
0: Brought to you by the LBX Collective,
1: your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now,
0: let's get ready to roll
1: with your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley.
0: <laughs> well, hello, everyone. Welcome right. to the Tuesday edition of the LBX Daily Show. <laughs>
1: yeah, Tuesday 10 10, actually. So. No matter what. So it doesn't matter if you do the month first or the day first or the day first or the month first, it's 10-10 day. So that's nice, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to get confused about whether or not we're in the US or another country. But what's more important is that it's the metric day. So 10-10 is the metric day where we all celebrate the power of 10 to measure things everywhere else but the US, which still is stuck on you know, pounds and inches and feet and yards and you know gallons and everything else that has nothing to do with the metric system or base ten that we do all of our other math with. But um, I did find it interesting and kind of cool that the metric system. And this is somebody as like a as a you know native Arizonan. I never knew that this actually happened. Um, we have a, str- a road, a highway, an interstate nineteen in rural Arizona that goes between Tucson and Nogales that is actually fully marked in kilometers. So everything there, distance, speed limit, everything is marked in kilometers. And um, apparently it was a pilot test that failed clearly uh, by President Ford to push the American, you know, America to get hooked on the metric system back in 1975. So anyway, just a little historical tidbit there for you for the metric system. So, you know, hooray for base 10.
0: Sure, sure. And so I guess I would feel at home coming down there and going to Tucson, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, you feel right at home and you're driving in that one little strip between Tucson and Nogales.
0: I I wonder how dangerous that is actually for people because, I mean, how many of your cars actually have kilometers and miles on the speed dial as you're driving?
1: Well, depending. I mean, mine is a digital display and doesn't, but um, the ones that actually have the manual dial still um, have the kilometers, but they are smaller numbers underneath.
0: Oh, okay. I I just noticed that in a lot of times when I rent a car in the U S they don't have kilometers on it. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, okay. Well, um, (laughs) guess what? Everyone is freaking out about their Skittles right now. Um, I don't know if you heard this news, but, um, California is the first um, state that is banning um, certain chemicals uh, within their uh, certain products and their food food products, right? Um, and so everyone is freaking out about Skittles being banned, and they're not going to be able to sell them anymore, um, because apparently Skittles contain a chemical called titanium dioxide. Now, the interesting thing about this is only the US Skittles contain <laughs> titanium dioxide, right? So Canada has already banned this, um, same with UK and uh, other parts of Europe have also banned this. So Skittles that are brought to Canada are made in Canada, and these other countries do not have this ingredient in it. So everybody was up in arms saying, oh my gosh, don't take my candy away, don't take my Skittles. Um, but as it turns out, that's actually not true. Um, so, so a bill was passed by Governor Gavin Newsom in California, where he did recently ban dye number three, potassium bromate... Um, uh, brominated vegetable oil, which, oh my gosh, I wonder what this is. (laughs) Um, and propylene paraben. Um, but there was no mention of, uh, titanium dioxide at all. So everybody that was freaking out about their Skittles being banned can calm down because it's actually not going to happen. Um, you can still eat your your, all the different colors of the rainbow apparently. Um, and because it's only going to be California too, that's going to be banning these substances. So.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it happens that uh, California sets these things, and they're they're like a little little uh, test bed, and we'll see if it gets rolled out. You know, for the other the other stuff that they're banning, but um, but hey, you know what? Good thing because that would mean. That the, uh, the, the group that puts together the Skittles machine. So I don't know if you've seen these vending machines, the Skittles vending machines. They're really popular. They've been running – they've been doing the trade show route for like the last year and a half, two years. And they're always really popular because you can just go up there, take your little cup that they give you, stick it in there, pick which Skittles flavors you want, and it builds a cup of Skittles for you automatically. Um, and, and so it's super cool that I can get my go and get my own and you can fill the Skittles with different flavors and everything else. And it's always a really popular thing. I know that the people come, you know, work in our booth, they always go and get a nice big cup of Skittles and then they eat it throughout the whole, uh, the whole week because it takes forever to eat that many Skittles. Um, but, uh, but it's such a cool vending machine. I love, love, love this vending machine.
0: Yeah. They're dangerous though. That's the problem I have with this style of dispensing. Like even the M&M stores, when you go to Vegas and you pop in the M&M store, they have this kind of style where you open it up and you put your, you know, your, your mount in, and then they, you have to pay by weight, right? With the M&Ms. And I get carried away because I like creating these mixed mashes and there's no way to put them back afterwards. And then you carry it to the till and you have to pay by weight. It's uh, very clever. Very clever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, now this one is not by weight. It is just literally, it fills up the cup. Mm -hmm. elect what are sort of like and it can layer it it can mix them all together it can do all sorts of different things and you could have one you could have a cup just full of red skittles if you wanted or just full of apple flavor because you're mad that they got rid of the apple flavor when they brought lime back you know you could do whatever you want um but uh, so when we're at IAP expo we're going to have to hit by you know stop by the skittle machine and get our little
0: get our sugar fix
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, so you know, it's something that is uh, you know really good to do with uh, the Skittles machine is to give your birthday party kid uh, a cup that they get, and they can go and get a free fill at the Skittles machine potentially, right? So a little a little perk for being the birthday boy or birthday girl. Um, well, so train entertainment. A group that does consulting around a number of different things, you know, group parties, birthday parties, training, hiring, recruiting, that kind of thing. Well, Train Entertainment is actually has a uh, has a webinar coming up called Becoming a Birthday Pro. And it's a free webinar. It's on hosting memorable parties. It's taking place two days from now, October 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And if you want to get registered, this is their own private thing that they're doing. Go just to trainertainment.net/slash webinars. And you can find it right there at the top, and register to go to that webinar. So, uh, mm-hmm. Best Stanley and her team—they do a great job, and um, be great to have you know have you guys go and check that out. If what you're looking to do is improve your birthday parties,
0: yeah, that's right. And I'm probably—I might be wrong on this, but I can probably almost guarantee that if you don't know how to do the Cupid Shuffle, you're going to learn how to do the Cupid Shuffle through this program. And <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those skills that you need if you're in our industry. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> join the training, figure out what it's all about and get on that Cubit Shuffle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, awesome, awesome.
0: Um, Yeah, you know, it just occurred to me the other day that um, I haven't shared this experience that I had with everybody. and I know that you've had this experience too, Brandon, but uh, has, who's been to one of these Candlelight concerts? They are so incredibly awesome. It puts a whole new light on music, right? So I just got to attend a second one the other day and I went to a Queen one. I, the first one I ever went to was actually done by Taylor Swift and it was amazing. It was uh Let's see. I think I can get a picture here. It was kind of, it was like this. It was in a church and we were sitting in pews and the artist sat in the middle and there was candles like this everywhere, uh, lighting up the artist. and the music was just beautiful. So very classical musics, um, that was done to different songs from Taylor Swift. And, you know, it, it was great because the performers picked out what songs they wanted to sing. They gave a little bit of back history as they went through the songs. They'd explain and say, Hey, this, during this set, we're going to be doing this songs from this era and kind of made jokes all along the way and did an amazing job with it and it, it was honestly the one of the best hours it's only an hour long so it's not super long so you're not sitting through this type of music for a long extended period of time but they I mean I just thoroughly enjoyed listening to it and they have tons of different things that are available um as far as genres so there's classical jazz pop there's movie soundtracks ballets coming out like um I saw Fleetwood Mac is coming out um I think they were doing a heart one um so a whole bunch of neat Really kind of fun performances coming down. And if you ever had the chance to go to one, highly, highly recommend it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a phenomenal experience. The, we did it. It was actually it took place in the middle of the Phoenix Zoo. And they filled ah. up the candlelights. And, and it, it was it was the Taylor Swift music, but it was a string quartet. And uh, yeah, lasted an hour. And just a great, relaxing, very cool, intimate experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I would say about it is it could have been a little bit more magical if... They included food and beverage. Maybe you got a glass of wine when you walked in or you weren't sitting on a plastic chair per se. <laughs> um, I was at one of the concerts on a plastic chair. Mm. It could have been a little and sitting quite close to the people next to me. Um, it could have been a bit better. But for a pop-up experience and for only an hour in length, it felt like a pretty fun thing to do. And uh, definitely something I'll be enjoying in the future again.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good that, that's a good insight, though. Because even though it's a pop-up experience and it's only an hour... And the experience itself is, is really unique, but you like, we wanted to make sure we're taking paying attention to all the little details. So could it have been maybe plastic chairs because it's a temporary situation, but could it have been, um, a a more um you know nicer or higher quality chair because they've rolled out benches or th- something something else i know at, th- at least because we were in an amphitheater because we were in the phoenix zoo that's built for okay. different different shows they already had seating and stuff built in because of where they do some of their animal shows so it was nicer seating and they did roll out beverage carts so i was able to get oh. a glass of wine And, and, you know, drink the wine while I was enjoying the experience, but it's all those little details that matter. I do know that our bathroom was like way the fuck down and like around some corner, like past all these animals, like the bathroom was far away. And you're like, dude, it was only an hour, but like I pee every half an hour. So, um, you know, basically it was an issue.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do drink a lot of iced tea, that is for
1: sure. (laughs) You drink a lot of iced tea, yes.
0: Well, and and I agree with you. Like, I think that they missed out on some revenue opportunities for themselves. And for those kind of things, like, it it counts. Like, all the little things count, right? And I think the other thing they could have done, too, is offered a VIP experience for people that were Mm -hmm. willing to upgrade and pay the money, right? Like, maybe you get to meet the artists or, you know, you're sitting in the VIP up front uh, seats or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was on one of the sound offs that we were, that you were, uh, you and Kevin were talking about adding, you know, adding VIP experiences, make sure that, right. that that kind of experience exists, even in, even in your, your FEC or LBE venue, mm-hmm. like what sort of elevated experience do you have that is, you know, costs more maybe, or that is something for truly your VIPs to give them that added experience.
0: Right. Something that can be really just customized and suited and tailored to their wants and desires. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, well, so speaking of additional revenue opportunities, there have been there's been a, a growing movement in museums, science centers, aquariums, and um, and others that uh, have put in these IMAX experiences. So, not the big, grand, massive IMAX theaters that you were all waiting to go see Dune in, or maybe I am. Maybe it's just me. Um, but for, you know, the smaller IMAX theaters that are really immersive curved screens, but for, um, you know, like, where you're going to go watch whales swimming and go and have like a, an Arctic ocean experience, but within, within the IMAX, which you'd find it an aquarium, for example. Well, these have been becoming less and less sticky. People are getting, I think, more in, attuned. They've been to these IMAX theaters before they're less novel. And so they've been trying to find ways to do one of two things, either, fill in those IMAX spaces with other attractions or or uh, set a augmented experience in or around or near to drive traffic into those IMAX experiences and increase mm-hmm. revenue. And one of the things that... Um, that some of these IMAX theaters have been doing is adding in soft play and, but specifically they've been tailoring the soft play around that particular experience or what they're trying to educate. So I've just thrown up a picture here. This is a soft play experience that was not, that has not replaced the IMAX theater, but it has done actually built it alongside it. And it's called planet play. And it's um, at the Orlando uh, Kennedy space center. And they built the whole thing around um, and again, it's by a company called SoftPlay. So not just the Softplay attraction is called company, but kids can play, they can crawl around, they can explore, and they can learn and, and can get infused in the overarching theme before then going into the museum or while they're at the museum, take a break, play, get their wiggles out, and then go back in and learn a little bit more. And um, and so it's a pretty cool collaboration and, and um, target that SoftPlay has been doing. Um, but I thought one of the things that was interesting is there's actually some cases where they found space next to, it hasn't even been a part of the actual uh, museum where they've actually set up a soft play that is ties into that theme, gets people excited, separate admission cost but then they kind of, they're able to interact and then like, Oh, well, why don't I go to the museum and learn more about this that I just had that I just, this experience I just had. um where the parent wants to then say, okay, I want to deliver an educational component to the play that my kid just had. So interesting collaboration and opportunities to, potentially find those museums and science centers and aquariums nearby and hey how can you create you know if you're looking to do a new new venue how can you create a collaborative um, experience that goes along with what somebody's going to learn potentially at that uh, at at the museum or science center nearby
0: yeah and you know something else i really like about this is that everybody's got different learning styles right like some of us are auditory learners some of us need to be moving around and wiggling you know especially Mm -hmm. this new kind of crunching of kids that all have ADHD, and <laughs> other issues, right. And just by allowing them to kind of move around, they're going to pick up on this information and just retain it in a fun way. And then it just doesn't feel like learning for them. So yeah, those kind of things are super cool. I just, I love it. And I love seeing that kind of stuff come out. I'm curious to know what the upkeep on something like that looks like though, you know, and how often they have to replace stuff um, or keep things relevant, you know, if they're talking about current uh, things that are happening in the solar system and planet and such, right. But uh, yep. yeah, neat, neat stuff. Um, uh, so uh, the other thing I think is really cool is I just, I have to commend Netflix, like, I think they're doing such a good job right now with some of the uh, real life pop-ups and experiences that they're creating. Like uh, we talked about it a couple episodes, not a couple, but whoa, like we've done a few now, 10, 20 episodes ago about how Netflix had brought out online arcade play. Um, And it's, I don't know if you guys have it in the US, but we have it here and I've been kind of playing and I've downloaded the app on my phone and just kind of of experience. It's been super fun, but they're also doing these really cool real life pop-up experiences. So they had one, um, they, they did ones for the show. So, Brighter 10, um, stranger things and money heist earlier this year. And right now they are, um, starting a new one with squid games, which I thought was super fun, creepy squid games as it is. Um, but it's going to be opening up in LA on December 6th and it's called the squid game trials. And so what'll happen is guests will take, um, on a series of increasingly difficult, perfect, thank you, <laughs> challenges, uh, and they'll gain points as they kind of progress through it. Now, this is the only picture I could find. I couldn't find anything inside, so I'm not really sure, but it sounds like it'll probably be projection mapping and different things to gain points as they walk through this experience. Uh, once they're done the experience, they kind of walk out into the night market area uh, that's set up with Korean and different types of international food for them to enjoy, um, and different stores that will sell all the collectibles and merch that come along with Squid Game. So, super kind of, you know, neat thing that they're doing. Um, now they also have another pop-up that I thought was super fun and that's called their Netflix bites now. I, and I don't know, Brenda, were you saying you've been here or you just heard of it?
1: No, just heard about it. Cause I, I thought it was super cool. Um, yeah, it, it's, there's, there's not one in Phoenix. There's not one in any area oh, that I've shit. been in before. I think it's only in New York right now.
0: Um, uh, no, it's in Los Angeles, I think, from what oh, I had okay. read. Right. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a dining. So this is what they said. Netflix Bites is an exclusive dining experience in Los Angeles serving up cuisine mm-hmm. from the world-renowned chefs you see on Netflix. Our Michelin star-studded menu shows off the unique specialties and perspective of fan-favorite chefs. So what essentially will happen here, I go to this next slide, and you can see the different chefs. Um, now, these guys have shows on Netflix. They cook their food on Netflix. But then what happens is they come to this pop-up on um, certain dates, and they actually cook some of the food that they've, they've done on the show or uh, potentially maybe make up new things, but it's all branded under their name, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, um, and and I just love that they're leveraging their IP, leveraging their brands. And like this isn't the first time that entertainment brands have obviously gone and created attractions. I mean, that's where we have Disney and we have mm-hmm. Universal and Paramount have done stuff. And so like entertainment has been building, cross-building their attraction, you know, attractions for a long time and leveraging their IP. But it's great to see Netflix doing it, but in a very different way. They're going and doing the LBE smaller format pop-up experiences versus going and building big, giant, massive theme parks. We see the same thing happening with Universal, obviously experimenting with their smaller form factor park in Dallas uh, or the Dallas area in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll continue to see this more and so, more.
0: Look- so doesn't that just make you wonder? What do you think Netflix will be up to next? Are they going to like come on and rival Disney and Universal with their whole Netflix parks?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean Netflix Land or you know you know mm. yeah Netflix Park like
0: that could you, be kind of You tend cool. to see
1: that right. You, you tend to see it entertainment then go into mm-hmm. into the the physical realm because they want people to engage with their brands and their IP and buy merchandise and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then the watches gets more eyeballs and it just it becomes a virtuous cycle. And so. Um, Mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty cool to see what they're they're doing there. I mean, even things smaller brands like Peppa Pig, right, have gone from being a, um, uh, you know, an IP to actually having physical space, right, the peanuts and others. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think uh, it's great that Netflix is doing this, Mm -hmm. and they're experimenting with different formats. Um, drive-through formats, visit formats, food formats, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll definitely see a lot more experimentation going forward. Uh, all right. Well, look, we're coming cl- pretty quick to a close here. Just have uh, one, uh, you know, two, two little mentions. So embed recently released their top hundred FEC list and, that list is done in three categories. So the first one is their legacies list. And this is any of their customers who've been around for 20 years or longer, they're recognized in the legacies list or the top, right? This is obviously they have more than 100 customers, but the top, um, you know, out of the top 100, those who've been, they're part of the legacy list. And then you have the virtuosos who've been around longer than 15 years, 15 to 20. And then you have the experts who've been around longer than 10 years. And so if you're interested in, finding out who was in the top F- top 100 FECs of Embed's customers, you can go visit their website, embed.com, and click on a little link, put in your information, and they'll email you the list. So it's a great marketing opportunity for Embed, great way to capture some emails and send up some marketing information and get that 100 FEC list. So um, mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And congrats to all of you Embed customers who made the top 100 FEC list. And um, it's pretty uh, pretty cool uh, opportunity there.
0: Yeah, that's a big feat to get past the 10, 15, 20 year mark. You're doing something right for sure.
1: It it is. Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to you guys who have made that list and happen to be listening to this show and continuing to learn. Um, All right. And speaking of learning, the last thing I'm going to mention before we close out here is that uh, on the sound off, the second episode of sound off with Kevin Williams that was released last Thursday. Um, he had mentioned, we were talking about game, uh, Christina and him were ca- talking about gamification and um, he asked, or Christine asked the question, do we know any training platforms that provide gamification at the time? Um, Kevin was stumped and didn't know of any. Um, but we we have, fortunately, you know we're friends, uh, we we know a number of people in the industry, and um Pinnacle, which is run by George and Howard McAuliffe, they uh, work with a company called One Huddle, and I'll just pull these guys up here. They are gamified training. And specifically, you know One Huddle works with all different businesses for gamified training, but Pinnacle has worked with One Huddle to develop a curriculum specifically focused on LBEs and FECs. And so, and you can then modify that curriculum obviously to fit your own culture and your own attraction mix and your own F and B mix and everything else. Um, but uh, but One Huddle is you know one of the the only platforms that I know of anyway that have gamified have really done a good job to gamify training and ongoing learning within your uh, within your venue. So anyway, just wanted to mention that before uh, since it right was uh, relevant and you may have listened to the sound off with Kevin Williams.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, when's our next episode with Kevin Williams coming up? <sighs>
1: All right. So our, so our next episode coming up, nice little transition there, is Tuesday, October 17th. We will release the next episode and we've actually just recorded it today and it's a great episode and so excited to get that out there into the wild. And we'll be recording many more uh, over the course of the next few weeks and get them out to you guys every other week on Tuesdays.
0: Yes. And just make sure you guys are jumping on that discord channel because Kevin is going to leave you with a little bit of homework at the end of every episode that um, we'd love for you to do just to kind of engage in conversation, get this community kind of chatting together and working together. So um, yeah, look forward to seeing you there in that discord.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, LBXers. That is the end of the daily show for today. Stay tuned. Keep kicking ass.
0: Bye guys.